Hi there, and welcome to One Body, One Life, proudly sponsored by Jamae's Fine Foods. I'm Vicky Nguyen, and I'm on a personal mission to live to 120, and I would absolutely love to take you on this journey with me. This show is focused on longevity and understanding how we can all live longer and stronger through diet, exercise, lifestyle, nutrition, and so on. Each episode, we will uncover tips and tricks to living your healthiest and happiest life for as long as physically possible. I'll be chatting to the experts as well as people who have defied the odds and explore various treatments and modalities to help us all reach optimal wellness. So in today's episode, I interview the lovely Bessie Kay, who is a mother of two, a TV presenter and producer, and currently working within the production team at Wild Food on SBS Food. Her journey in the entertainment industry began as a dancer and singer, launching her vibrant career through the Australian musical theatre scene, eventually progressing into TV and media. Bessie's vibrant, illustrious career has been at the forefront of her entire existence for the bulk of her life. But having spent some time introspecting, Bessie realised there was something not quite right about how she was operating. One Body, One Life podcast, as we all know, is all about what people can do to live a longer, stronger, happier and healthier life. And in today's episode, we're going to focus on the inner workings of the mind and how inner demons, insecurities, discomfort, turmoil, or whatever you want to call it, can inhibit one from truly living in their bliss. Bessie will cover what it's like growing up in regional small town in Australia as a creative Greek girl, how she overcame some personal challenges and how her mindset and philosophy of blend over balance allowed her to break through and break down the inner demons. Bessie, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. This has been so overdue, but also... I, I think it's perfect timing. <laughs> I think so too. I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting you. I didn't even know what year it was, but we were at a Jerome Farrah concert oh and you stood out amongst a sea of people and I thought I must meet this woman. And as it turned out, we had mutual friends. So we ended up spending the rest of the evening together. Yeah, I felt exactly the same way about you as well, Vic. And it's really funny because isn't it cool how when we get older we start to be really intentional about who we decide to do life with and put in our circle or put in our business circle. And I love that we can do that now. So you're definitely someone that was like... She's amazing. Exactly, exactly. So I feel so honoured that you've given us this time and I know you've had so much on. You've got two young girls as well and you've been on television and you do dancing and you've got these amazing little Instagram videos that you do and inspire everyone as well. But tell us a little bit, of, give us a bit of a brief about you because you grew up in country Victoria as a creative Greek girl, as you say. So tell us a bit about that. I did. I grew up in um, in the country. I'm actually there again now. So we moved back during lockdown about three years ago. Has it been three years already? That's a bit crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> um, but it's funny because when I used to talk about my upbringing, I used to just say it was great. You know, the country's beautiful, and I just I'm really good at small talk, probably because where I've come from. Um, but it hasn't been until I've, I've kind of hit this milestone in my life where I've decided to go really deep into finding out who I am that I realised that growing up as a creative Greek girl and, and a young creative girl as well and Greek girl in a really small country town, actually um, it wasn't exactly as I remembered it and it actually also created some things within me that started to develop my personality and my default settings as I went through life. So we... We were, um, I grew up, I was born in Melbourne. My, my dad is from Greece. My mum was born in Melbourne as well, but we're a Greek family. And we moved to country Victoria, regional Victoria when I was three years old. We then lived a little bit in a, a bigger country town. And then after a couple of years, so I was probably about four or five years old, we moved to a quite a small country town, about 15 minutes up the road. And 
at that time in the 90s, just things are so different to how they are now. We're, we're so lucky we've got so much diversity and, and everything today. But in that country town, that is where I had my very first memories of being really different mm. and feeling really different. We had um, a local business. We had a petrol station and um, it was a general store as well. My, my dad is exceptionally Greek. <laughs> um, it was probably around the time that the comedy company had that um, TV oh, show. Oh, the Con the Fruiterer? The Con the Fruiterer, which is great. <laughs> but it's funny TV and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But the culture of the town um, and, and where we were at the time or how I perceived it at the time was just that we were really different. And we had people that would come past our driveway. They would, they would shout out things that would show me how different we were. It, wasn't, it was very common for us to weekly be told, that's the log shop, you know, these little kids that I was trying to make community with when I was a small child really made a point of letting me know that I was different because I was a log. And so though it's a beautiful place and, and things have changed now, I'm 15 minutes from the place as I speak now, it's funny that I've come home to do some healing that I didn't even know I needed to do. <laughs> um, yeah, th- things have changed, thankfully. Crazy. And so, I mean, obviously this, this type of experience that you had, is it, it's quite common amongst my circle anyway, because I grew up in the north and it's quite a strong ethnic, a lot of Italians and Greeks as well. And I think um, a lot of people would have experienced that. But tell us a bit of a brief over, like your personal, your disco- this journey of self-discovery, what was the trigger for you? Like what, as in your adult life, what made you go back and want to heal this? Yeah, I think, um, well, I had a life face plant moment about four years ago, so that was enough to get my attention to go, something needs to change. Um, and I can go into that a little bit later on. But I think for me, it wasn't one thing. It was very much, and I don't know if you know the quote, uh, it's the little, the little foxes that can spoil the vine. And I've heard it said a few different ways. Yeah, but, um, but the way that, that I, you know, digest that now is that if you think about a vineyard, the, the big foxes, they can get in and they can eat the fruit off the vines and they, they do a good job of it. Um, but the little foxes, they come in packs and they can get in, you know, they can kind of sneak into the vine un, unnoticed sometimes. And they don't actually, they can't reach the fruit. Mm. So what they do instead is they just gnaw little bite after little bite after little bite at the vine, at the root system. We had guinea pigs that did that to our fruit trees. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yes. about, right? Those damn guinea pigs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but that's how but you they, felt. That, well, it's little things that can cause big damage in life. And it was little things. I didn't have a huge thing of adversity that I went through. I know lots of people that have gone through really horrific upbringings. And, and I've got a family. They loved me. I, you know, I seemed confident. I was always dancing. So, again, you know, I just seemed like everything was okay. But little things from very young, starting from that first memory mm. of knowing that I was different in a small country town, that I was a wog, that I lived in the wog shop, um, that my... Our family home was not acceptable. I started to develop a knowing, an inner knowing, that became my belief system that I was not acceptable, mm-hmm. that I was rejected, that I wasn't worthy, that I had no value. So it didn't matter what I went through in life, I held that trauma that came within my heart and it was where everything came out of. So another little fox might have been a little bit down the road. I had a little bit of a seed of rejection that a normal person or someone that wasn't harboring so much pain might be able to go and rebound out of quite quickly. But that wasn't the case for me. So another little fox, another little fox, another little fox, until I got to the point, you know, as I said, four years ago, where I just, it was probably the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. 
and I knew I needed change. <laughs> and was that a personal disruption or was it work-related that you experienced four it, years ago? Yeah, it was work-related and everything in my life was work-related, Vic, because yes. I, again, like I'm so thankful that we live in a time where we have podcasts like yours and, yes. and beautiful bits of resources and, and why I'm so passionate about media as well. I just love the fact that we can have social media and media that gives us access to information that we wouldn't have had and didn't have back then. But everything I did from a young child, including my real passion for dance, was coming out of a need to be seen and to be approved. Mm. So that created, with the ambition that I naturally have within me, I'm an ambitious person, I would take that passion that I had and I just needed to strive and strive and strive and strive in order to make sure that I was worthy or to make sure that I was enough. And so... What had happened to me, and I, I bet you that a lot of people out there can relate, I, especially as a creative as well, because creatives, there's, there's this thing within us that we know it's a barren industry, especially yep. in Australia. We know it's tricky and competitive. So we invest a lot into <laughs> being able to do our job and to be able to make it our role and our job. And my problem was that my identity was wrapped up in that role. Mm. So I had developed over years a great professional pillar where I had poured every little bit of extra resource that I had, energy. Um, I had crossed so many boundaries to make sure that I was constantly working. I was doing it in a way where I looked successful and I looked like I was achieving. And though that pillar was tall, my character, the pillar right next door to it, was very, very underdeveloped and very, very small. Mm. So if something happened, like a rejection at work or, um, you know, a failure, then did I have the character to balance out that pressure that I was under for work? And four years ago, no, I didn't. Mm. I, I just fell over. It was, it was the last little bit of, you know, the industry is full of rejection. It's a very competitive industry. You get used to it. You actually get rejected and don't even care anymore on the surface level. But internally, if you don't look after it, there's a lot in there that's actually pinging that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, absolutely. So you do you feel that your upbringing and as a creative Greek girl growing up in a regional country, like how did this shape you as a person? Do you feel there's a lot of negativity that kind of bred within you or? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it was inevitable for me. I think what had happened was, I mean, it probably wasn't inevitable. I didn't know who I was. Mm. And if you look at ancient times and if you go back into history and I really have a, a fascination with um, cultural things from a whole heap of different cultures and beliefs but, but going back because sometimes I think like a bow and arrow sometimes we need to draw back draw back draw back in order to be able to know how to handle the future <laughs> sure and um, when you look at the old Jewish culture and I'm sure it's still done today they draw out the identity of their child when they are you know at that puberty age like 12 years old or 11 years old I'm not mm. sure how old it is I think it's called a bar mitzvah or yeah. bar mitzvah female and it's about actually getting this child and saying this is my daughter whereas today and I've got two young kids we can look at our kids and go this is my daughter who's an amazing artist who can dance really well who's you know won the basketball tournament but are we calling out her identity or are we calling out her ability? Right. And so going back to your question, what happened to me, yes, was a, a point in my life where I realised that my ability was something that I was getting validation and worth from, but it was not my identity. Understand. And I went down the path of building my ability right. as much as I possibly could. Rather was that than... something that your parents encouraged as well, you to succeed and be something? 
Of course, but it wasn't their fault. Mm. Like you, I think that all, all parents so do. Most I parents do. Myself, yeah, I, I stop myself from doing that to my girls now and constantly stop myself because I've gone through this and I've had the information and I've had the therapy and I've had the uh, ability to be able to research this kind of stuff a little more. But, mm. of course, you would celebrate your little girl when she does really well at a dance at Stedford or if she wins the drama thing or if she... So, and, and when your migrant parents as well are working very hard, 7 a.m. until 11 p.m., and struggling, really working overtime in order to keep the family together and functioning. I'm not sure how much capacity there was left in there to make sure that those little things that they didn't know about back then, it wasn't spoken about often, were being ticked. Hey, does your daughter know that she's loved no matter what? Hey, does she actually know her worth is not in whether she does something right or wrong? And even when she does do something wrong, she's still loved. Mm. And I'm mindful of that with my kids now. I love that I can be. I feel like it's a blessing. Exactly. I feel like it's a real common experience. So what you've been through in terms of, you know, particularly first generation migrants, perhaps working really hard. I know even Martin for him as well with his family and, um, you know, it was all about achieving and there was little time to spend with the kids. It was all about working and putting food on the table. And so there was little time for, I guess, that inner development and time to nurture emotions and so yes. forth. So it was all very much achieve and go. Yeah. But I get it. This is the thing. Being like, I get it, especially like coming from another totally. country. A lot of people came with nothing. Like yes. Because my grandfather came to Melbourne with his suitcase and nothing else. Exactly. About that pride that happens when you do make something of yourself, when you can fend for your family, it comes from an innocent place. Absolutely. But we have emotional needs as beings and as children. We have emotional needs and they are important. They shape us as adults. So do you did you find that I mean you fell into dance? Dancing was always a passion of yours, but did dancing was that a way for you to free the mind as well? Oh, such a <laughs> I had no idea. And to be very honest with you, it wasn't even dancing, it was music. Ah. So, again, early memories, and I didn't have memories. I, I, if Our family running joke for years was Bessie doesn't remember her childhood and nothing happened to oh. me, so I never understood why. And, and going into therapy and being able to un, I process it so much has made me realise, oh, my gosh, I remember this, and it makes sense now. Wow. But, Early memory was being in our house in Jerelgan at the time and mum had the VHS of Dirty Dancing <laughs> and that was my on-repeat, like, music. And, um, it Perfect. It was really inappropriate, but it made me feel something, Vic. I felt passion. Beautiful. I felt excited. The music did something to and allowed me to express mm. and expression is what I needed because at that time I didn't express. Yes. I felt different I felt scared I felt unworthy and never spoke about it ever mm. once wow dancing allowed me to get some kind of emotional fulfillment if I wasn't getting it from being in my own skin not knowing who I was I would get some kind of activation through dancing mm. so it was really um definitely something that was good for the mind but it brought me a lot of peace Perfect. Today, I love to dance and I've, I've actually reacquainted with dancing now. I noticed. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that because these incredible dances that you perform on your Instagram page, I just, they're so inspiring and full of energy and you've also got a message behind, with each one. It comes with something soulful as well. So tell us about that. And what's the motiva what was yes. the motivation behind it all? Okay, I'm so sorry. It's just wigged out now because I had a phone call that came okay. through. Is it all happening? Yeah, 
We're okay. Yeah, it's fine. Just maybe ask the question again. I'll ask it again. Okay, yeah. So tell us about these amazing dances that you do on your Instagram. What What's that all about? Tell us, what was the motivation behind it? Well, um, I it's actually just been a re-ignition of how much I love dance. And for so long, again, if you think about the fact that I was a human doing, always wanting to achieve, always needing to do what I needed to do to seem professional and seem legit, um, I stepped away from dancing because there was a part of that that I thought, oh, I'm done with dancing, now I'm going into media. Like, it's this prestigious thing. Mm. But it wasn't. Like, obviously, that's that it was a... It was a wrong belief within me. Yes. Um, so I stepped away from dancing and and didn't feel like I ever could go back into it. Like, did that mean I failed in media if I if I was dancing again or if I was, you know, going backwards in life? But dancing brings me peace and it brings me joy. And I love the the idea that peace is not just about you, but it's actually about you in the world. And the more that I understood that life is not about what things seem, how things seem, what accolades, what it's not about proving anything, but it's about actually finding you and the things that resonate with you in order for you to be a better person in this world and to connect with others. Dancing and especially the sharing dance and, and being able to share with people that don't normally dance, I get such a buzz out of not just doing the dancing, but being able to bring peace to other people that it's undeniable. We know that you dance, you feel different. Oh, I love it. We often have a dance off at home where the music goes up in the kitchen and we just <laughs> let loose and there's a big mirror there and we can laugh at ourselves and, you know, it's the best feeling in the world. But your your dances are also quite soulful. Like the experience for the women that you've done it with that I've seen, it can be quite emotional and quite a release for some people. I know because we live in a world where we're supposed to be robotic or something. Like yes. what we're gotten to in life where we think that we need to just keep going, keep doing, just be a duck, you know, paddling underwater, but cool and calm on, on the surface, but actually underneath you, you're not. And when you dance, you are not in control. I mean, there is a control within dance, but firstly, music can make you feel something and it can be a circuit breaker yes. to this robotic lifestyle that we can lead. And it's also a disarming practice so when you come into a space and you are guarded or you are hard-hearted or you are feeling um, nervous or, or whatever it is, dancing disarms that instantly. Mm. Music and dance together disarms that. Of and so thing we speak about in class afterwards because we do, we have these great discussions. I love connecting with beautiful women and not just women, but men as well. It's all of a sudden like gloves are off. Yes. Like, but, let, let's talk real. <laughs> exactly. But do you find that personalities are reflected in dance moves as well or when people are reluctant to dance, that is a reflection of maybe they're uptight or they're holding on or they're, inti or, um, you know, like an introvert as opposed to, like, does that it come out? Yes. Well, our body movements can really easily be this when we're at the computer and I'm making the typing gestures. Yes. We type, type, type. We're in the car often. Our arm movements are kind of restricted to from the elbow to the phone as we lift our arm up yep. to our ear. We don't really do these big, wide stretches. Yes. And, you know, we walk down the street. We hardly even swing our arms with confidence. Like everything we do is small. Mm. And I feel like our body is going, let me bust out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Within lots of people, even introverts, an introvert, just to get them to stretch, reach the sky, hug their body, mm. touch them, see themselves in a mirror. Yeah. These are big, big challenges for some people that we may as well get over really quickly. Let, let's just do it. Let's go through it. I read something. I can't remember what the actual, um, what it, I can't remember exactly word for word what the quote was, but I read something about when people are 
able to communicate well, they actually dance well. Oh, and, wow. And that kind of made sense to me because, yeah. like, dancing is a form of communication or expression. 100%. Yeah. Definitely is. And I looked at my son, Jamae, and he does not like to dance, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, he communicates with me, but he could definitely improve his communication. And I thought yeah. there's actually something in that. Oh, I love that. I haven't heard that theory before, but I would love to go in. I, the more I'm going into it, the more I realise there's a lot of psychology within dance. And Absolutely. Link the two and it can be very, very powerful. And especially when you see those Indigenous dancers and the, the movements and, you know, the the Africans and, you know, all the, the tribes, the tribes, people who dance. Yeah. That, that's a whole other being. It and is. I very passionate about that side, Vicky, actually, because, again, like, Greek culture has a lot of dance to it. Of course. And, and if there was dancing in celebrating and there was dancing in mourning mm. and just dancing at a party, you know, if the culture that the different cultures that use dance and music, it, I think every culture in some way does, and, and it's much more than just a physical movement. It is a spiritual... Absolutely. Um, you know, with different, like when they hit the ground, they're hitting the ground for a reason and they're reaching up, they're reaching up for a reason. There's a cry in there sometimes or there's, you know, there's an ecstatic expression. Like it's just, it's a lot. It's definitely a story. Yeah, and it's like you can lose yourself. It's like seeing the Turkish, is it the whirling dervish? Yeah, You know, yeah. and that, yeah. that's that in itself. You get lost, you'd get lost yeah. in that, you know. It just, yeah. It's just almost if, like it. fine details, even Chinese dance I did for a very small amount of time and even just like the fine details within that or the Spanish. Yes. But the accents and the, and the feet hit the accents with the hands and mm. there's like the song. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm. Um, so tell us about what was the most challenging thing? Because you often talk about like as an entertainer being in that industry, it mm. came with some pressure and stresses as well. What was the most challenging thing that you had to manage as an entertainer? Yeah, I think um, there's two ways to see this, how I managed it and how I hope that young performers today can mm. manage Again, I managed it completely unsupported. And I don't mean community unsupported. I don't mean that. I mean unsupported emotionally. Okay. I came from a place where I never felt like I belonged and I came from a place where I needed to achieve and prove a point and strive. Mm. So there was a lot within my art form that wasn't coming from a pure place. And my art form was my work. Mm. So I've crossed many boundaries in that space. And so the pressure is going to come. It's a really high-pressure industry. You're talking dancing, there's events. You don't go to the event. You're not there. You're not. If you're sick, the event still needs to happen. Or um, the theatre production involves many people, so you have to do your place and you have to look a certain way and you have to be able to have the ability and your body needs to be well enough to be able to do all of that. In media, there is, it's, it's doing a job. But you, it's like so multifaceted. You've got 20,000 things that you need to think of at the one time while you're in adrenaline mode of actually filming something. That's a lot to process. I now know how to do that and like control my brain mm. and control my nervous system in that environment. I didn't have that knowing before and I was triggered you know, to the nines because of pain that I was holding onto. I was doing that job and holding a truck on my shoulders of emotional pain. Mm. And again, in those moments when you're weary, that's when you're weakest, right? Of course. Like that's when your vulnerabilities are going to come out. Well, how much vulnerability was in me? 
Yes. A lot. And the entertainment industry in general is all based on relationship. Mm. So you have an experience with someone and if it's good, it's good. And if you have an experience with someone, it's bad, it's bad. You don't get that opportunity again. Like a lot of it comes down to you just need to be on 24-7. You can't fail. You can't make a mistake. And it's not humanly possible to do that. Mm. Performers need to understand that within an industry that looks polished, you're allowed to be human. Yes. You are allowed to be yourself. You are allowed to have vulnerable moments. Another thing, I freelanced since I was 17 years old. Sometimes I did a contract for a couple of years, sometimes a couple of months, sometimes it was a week. Sometimes it wasn't even a contract. It was a handshake, a wow. job over a handshake because it's an unregulated industry. Yes. But you are constantly working with plenty of people, lots of people, and you look like you're busy. You are so busy. You look so connected. You look so fine. You you have yeah. been trained to be confident. Yes. It's one of the skills you need. You just need to be confident. But all of it is an illusion. If there's something wrong, you're with that group of people for a week and you don't necessarily have the linking with them to be able to know that they know that you're okay or vice versa. You're just off to the next group and the next group. And so wow. we are like triggered people, ding, 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 like constantly on alert constantly gelling with each other for a small period of time and I just really feel like it's so unsupported and it needs so much attention within individuals identities to know that they are okay and they are whole with or without their job. Totally. You can understand why burnout and substance abuse is rife in that industry. If you have a need in there, anything, if there's an unmet need within a person, we, our minds, which have been created so cleverly, so well, we try and seek out how to fit, like meet that need. Absolutely. And sometimes we don't have the wisdom yet. Yes. Or we're in a high-pressure situation, we're just doing it out of like a reaction. It's most important to develop that knowing and that wisdom first mm. and then go into the environment. But Absolutely. we don't focus on that. We have no teaching on that. Develop a person's identity, develop their wholeness, develop their wisdom, their emotional capacity, their ability to be able to withstand rejection, mm. pressure, perfectionism totally um, that perfectionism is not a thing it's more about progress mm. all of that needs to be really really exactly but it's interesting because as a freelancer I guess there's no one really looking after you so like you say no. you have to look after yourself but even at the top level when you do have managers like I mean even if you look at the classics you know like Elvis yeah. for example even with his manager like was he really being looked after it's yeah. like the industry is such a it is it is a beast and it's there are beautiful parts of it don't get me wrong there are really beautiful parts of it and sometimes I guess that support is there more so now than there ever has been but it really is only there if you can afford it yes or if you're in a space where that um like consistency is there so in amongst the contracts especially as a dancer I don't do musical theatre anymore but when you did you would do a contract and then you start again after that contract hope to get another one and, and generally you would or sometimes you would sometimes you wouldn't yes. but in those breaks in between is where the problematic points can arise or where there is no support you might have some emotional support if you do a big show today because there's there's HR within big companies like musical theatre mm -hmm. but then when you do that other gig over there there's no HR in that company yes you know and and so again because the environment will always change the focus the important part needs to be strengthening the person within the environment the person is not the environment and the person will then not be a product of the environment totally that. 
Understand, exactly. And that's what I feel. I feel like managing our internal world is really what this podcast is about. So so tell us, how do you now manage uh, and what do you do daily to ensure that you're on track and and not burning out? Yeah, I do a lot of things different. (laughs) Tell us. (laughs) Well, firstly, um, I did something completely different to what I had normally done for 35 odd years. I actually stopped Okay. Um, and then I decided to. That would have been do- hard. It was so hard, and it was also at the time of COVID as well. So there, okay. there was that, that split need of oh, and round now I really need to work, and I still could because I was doing broadcast at the time. Um, but then it was also that I'm actually not healed from you know some some past scarring and that residue still there, so I have to fix it. But. Um, yeah, I think it's just, it was something that I needed to start a fresh slate. So I had to invest time in making sure that I was doing that and making it a priority. And I'd never made my emotional well-being a priority before in my life. Mm. So I had to learn that process. Um, I always have something good in my ears. I I have different boundaries to how what I used to have before. And I live now in regional Victoria, so that's actually forced me to have some boundaries that maybe you know, I might have struggled with still having earlier. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I make sure that I'm listening to the right things, speaking to the right things, being intentional with who I put in my life, what I put in my life. Um, I'm aware of my trigger points. So awareness is a huge mm. thing. Understanding that if there's fear attached to that doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it. Yes. Maybe I can do it with some support. If I go through something now and I'm doing it and it's a bit triggering or it's a bit familiar, it's got like a familiar, a familiarity attached to it from some, some past pain, I don't look at it and get fearful as much anymore. I just pull in my resources. Mm. I look at it like a big transaction. Okay, yes. I'm going to be right now that might make me need to put myself out there to be burnt or you know whatever it is I might, I might feel like you know sales I do a lot of tv sales and that comes with for a normal person I guess that's fine you go and you approach a heap of people and you see if they want to invest in this thing but for someone that has some issues with yes. their value some deep-rooted issues about value it's a hard thing to sell something that I'm attached to so I had I do that with therapy now mm. to make sure that I'm separating you know this has got nothing to do me yes. you can do your job really well and I'm more efficient now because of the fact that I'm separated as a person from my role that's great that would have taken a bit of work so it's been four years and it's an everyday thing wow. <laughs> amazing so a lot of time with God I, I get up very early um so naturally I'm a 5am person and I love that because my household is quiet my dog puppy, so she hears <laughs> me now she's like I'm awake mommy yeah. <laughs> gorgeous but that's your time just to be, time. yeah. I need to fill. You can't pour from an empty cup, and I love to pour. Totally. Have you I heard love- that? Have you heard that cups and jugs analogy? Tell me, tell me. So if you're a cup or a jug, so if you're a cup, you know, that's how much you need to fill up because you're a cup, so you don't need much coming in. But if you're a jug, you need a lot to fill you up. And then it's more based on relationships. So if you're a cup and you're with a cup, it works because what you get and what you give is pretty equal. But if you're in a relationship with, if you're a jug and you're in a relationship with a cup, it doesn't really work because you've got all this love to pour out, but then what you're getting back is only cups worth. So you've got to fill it up with more from somewhere else. You just made me think of that. I, and, I, and when you say that, I, I have this picture, like as a creative, when I do spend that time, like I do get a little yeah. bit visual and I see like these pictures and they make sense to me and I take them as my little bit of wisdom for that day sometimes. And I have had that with the jug before. Like yes. you can have that jug 
and I can water my indoor plants with that jug. But eventually I have to keep going back to the tap. Yes. And I have to then go fill up and then nurture the next thing and the next thing. But if I don't make the trip back to the tap, yes. then I'm, there's nothing in my, in my jug. jug. Exactly. So it's constantly that daily motion. And it is a daily motion of making sure I'm, I'm at the source. Replenished. Feeling, yeah, getting nurtured myself so that I can handle what that day has for me. I do a thing that I don't know, I heard it a few years ago and I just live by it. They're an important thing. And I, I journal a lot. So journaling okay. does help me every morning um, other than just asking for like, you know, wisdom and strength and whatever it is that I need for the day because I think you should speak it. Yeah. Um, I also think what is my view of myself today mm. and what is the view that I have of other people today? Mm. And I really try and make sure that they're healthy because if we have, have you ever heard the term like where the mind goes, energy flows. man follows. Okay. Where the mind goes, the man follows. So if we start the day with this like toxic view of ourselves mm. or a bit self-loathing or beating myself up about what I did or if I've done something wrong, if I didn't do something with my kids or if I stuffed up a bit at work or whatever it was, if that sticks there and festers mm. too long, I'm aware now that the psychology within us, the way our bodies work, the way our minds work is that can lead to a destination of self-loathing. Mm, and I don't want to so what's the view I have of myself? Mm. I also don't want to think I'm too good and limitless and all that kind of stuff as well. Like it's about going, where am I and mm. who am I and what can I see myself as that's healthy and doing the same for other people as well. Exactly. The process of this has made me realise one of the key things is about love and learning. I had to learn, this journey for me was learning how to love myself because I just never did. If you think about having to do something in order to be accepted. That is a conditional thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's conditional and love is unconditional. Yes. You use the word love in Greek. It's agape. Agape. I know we've had this conversation before. It means to love the unlovable. Which I did not know. There you go. <laughs> so explain that a little bit more to the listeners. Well, loving the unlovable, like that is love. That's a happy love. That's God. Unconditional. Love. It's unconditional love. It doesn't mean I love you today, babe, but if you screw me over, I don't love you anymore. No wonder all those <laughs> oldies are still married because even if they're, <laughs> you know, it's the guppy. Well, I'm not sure if that's healthy either. There's got to be, that. like, there has to be a way, you know. But but real love, if you look into it, like love doesn't, it's not self-seeking. Love yes. doesn't. It doesn't boast like this. Love, when you really find what love is, not what we think love is. I think John Mayer says it really well that, you know, love is not a feeling or something. I don't know how he says it. Yeah. But it, it's actually about an action. Mm. It's a doing word. That's right. He says love is a doing word. It's an action and you choose to apply it. I had to choose to apply that to myself. Mm. So I had to let myself off the hook for a lot of things that I didn't do right or couldn't be living up to my own expectation of because I had that wiring in myself. Mm. So learning how to love myself unconditionally, being kinder to myself, has a ripple effect of then learning how to love other people totally. as well. If you don't really know how to accept and love yourself, I dare say you're loving out of that perfection, out of that conditional love mm. to the people around you as well. Did you only recognise that through therapy that you seeked, that that was an issue for you? I had realized that through before I went to therapy because I started to go in and really just seek that time with God. Mm. Um, it really was a transformative 
thing for me and a very spiritual journey for me. I started having some like dreams and just just some thoughts where I was like, I don't want to be stuck in this every day. Mm. I had three things for me, if you want me to go into them, that really helped me to go from being face planted. And when I say face planted, I say it lightly, but really I was at that point where it was no worth. I had given up. Mm. And for a very optimistic person like I normally am, someone that's, you know, sugar right in some way, that was an act, mm. but that had gone as well. Wow. I didn't have the normal feeling that I would have. I just felt stripped. Yes. Chucked out of society. Wow. Felt cancelled in a way. Yes. Even cancelled myself. Wow. Do that and really? so low, 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 low feelings. Yeah. And for the first time I didn't have the normal rebound of anything even if it was a facade just to get me to take that next step and to take the next step and I eventually identified that I did have three things and they were the three things that I kept on they were my little anchor points one of them was community I didn't even know it but I started the process in Melbourne of this healing journey for me yes and then we came down here so it happened really quite quickly and I didn't even know why we came down here to Gippsland but I needed to get to my home. Mm. I needed to get to my mom and my sister. And I needed to get to that unconditional love. Wow. To people that it didn't matter how I was, how ugly the process was going to be, that they were going to hold me through it. Yes. And they did. So having that community was very key. It was Mm. a key thing. If you don't have that community, and there were times when maybe, you know, it took a process to get it. But if you don't have that community, we still live in a time now where you can get that community through a therapist. And yes. I did that Okay. in time. Wow. Um, so find that community. That was something that really helped me. The other thing was I had a daily desire to feel better. Mm. Every day I felt crap. Yeah. So every day I, I wanted, I wanted to feel better. I couldn't, but I wanted to. Yes. I wanted to not feel unforgiveness. I wanted to not feel the toxic stuff that was in my body that was keeping me low. Mm. So that desire was something that helped me to be able to just, I don't know, like a crack of light, I guess. Yes, yeah. And sometimes, especially in that early days where I didn't have it in my day, at nighttime in my dreams, I would have a little crack of light you know, come in, I'd have some beautiful dream that will warm my heart and give me a little bit of inspiration for the next day. And the other thing that I had was that was important is I had faith that other people got out of a situation like this. Yes. I didn't actually believe it for myself. Wow. But I knew other people's testimonies in different, different scenarios. So I did have faith that people can come out of adversity. And those things on rotation were what got me day by day, one little bit here, one little bit stronger there, a bit more wisdom here, a great podcast here, Mm. a great therapist here, little connecting the dots until it was like a strengthening. Yes. It was so important. It's amazing. Do you, so this a lot of this stuff as you're talking, I'm thinking about inner child, this inner oh, child. And huge. yeah, and it seems to me a lot of this all stemmed from your your you growing up where you did. Yeah. Do you think I mean obviously there'd be many fellow Australians who may have experienced something similar. Do you think growing up where you did in a small town was the reason for that? And do you think that experience would have been different in a big city? It depends on the awareness of the people around you at the time. So I think today, you know, that particular experience of, of being called a wog and being, you know, kind of rejected from a small community, um, 
it would happen in different ways today. Mm. But whether it was that scenario or whether it was something else, the, the, the hook, I guess, the hook was that I was a young kid who didn't know that I was accepted and I was worthy and I was loved. Take that example in the city and it'll still be there. Mm. And you can put that example in somebody else's scenario that didn't grow up in a small country town and wasn't ethnic mm. or wasn't, you know, a different nationality, but they were told in some other way that they weren't enough. Mm. And it doesn't, and this is the other thing too, it doesn't even need to be from people that are close to you because the people that were close to me always showed me love. Yes. My mum and my sister and my dad, but there was not a focus on really developing that within me and I needed it. I don't know why, but I needed it. Mm. So individually knowing people, understanding how important nurturing somebody is, understanding that the broken parts of us as adults generally comes from broken little wrong beliefs that have been instilled in young hearts mm. and young minds. And then once we understand that, being able to have compassion in that space to go, okay, I understand why you are like this and not continuing the cancel culture. Yes, exactly. Continuing to, I just blacklist you. I just wipe you off over there. I just, because in a way we're all broken. 100%. Yep. You know, you're right, and and it's true. I mean, I think back to the question I asked you. It's actually quite a silly question because my, uh, I mean, Martin grew up as a Vietnamese person in a big city, and so yeah, everyone experienced it. And I think back then as well, like when we, I'm, I don't know if it's even with my children, they're half Vietnamese, half you know, I'm Japanese, Irish, Australian, so they're half Vietnamese, half Australian essentially. And even then, Jasmine will say sometimes, um, the friends might say something about oh Asians, and then they'll forget that she's part Asian, and she's like, oh that's not very nice, but she doesn't say anything. She just takes it on, but she thinks. To I herself, didn't say anything either. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it just ends up, you know, you hear it, it go, kind of sinks into this on the cellular level, and it's just you know simmering away there. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but again, some funny, some great things, like yes. you think of the chaos and things that happen, but beauty can come out of ashes. Yes. Beauty can come out of ashes, and it might not be how we expect it to be, but today, my daughter, Indy, and I've got two kids, Indy's nine and Sunny's four, and Indy is a lot like me, Sunny's a lot more like her daddy, who's yes. Lebanese, yes. so I'm great, and Georgie's Lebanese, but these girls, are, again, in the country town, because we're here at the yes. moment, I'm going to say people, but we're here at the moment and they're in a small country town. And I homeschooled Indy for the first six months because I was like, there is no way I'm sending Indy out to a small country town. So like, I was like, deep breathing, palpitations. <laughs> but here's my daughter who hears all of this amazing mm. information. The re I don't hide anything from her in the way of therapy. I talk to her about my process. I tell her when I have a revelation or a breakthrough. And here's this little girl who goes to school and has some of the little kids say, oh, my gosh, why do you have such hairy arms? And when she said that to me, she came home and she said, Mum, I, I was at school today and one of the kids, well, the kids was picking on me because I had hairy arms. And I was like, oh, this is it. Now she's going to go through what I went through. Yes. And Indy turned around to them and she was like, I've got hairy arms because I'm from Europe. Yes. I'm a European woman. Uh, you know, I'm Australian. <laughs> Also, a European woman. Let me show you some examples of some fantastic European women. And she goes, and she starts talking about this stuff, and not making them feel bad, not condemning them at all. Actually, enlightening them, yes. and showing them, inspiring them to what Europe's like and where her culture is. I love from. that. She starts talking about diversity. She's like, like in Canto, for example, I feel totally represented watching in Canto TV. <laughs> That's my girl. That That's is awesome. Girl. 
<laughs> I love that. That is so good. And this is the thing. It's it's having those conversations with your kids to yeah. empower them to have those conversations. Like, yes. And that's all it's about, isn't it? It's educating like, the other people. That's right. Peace is not just about you. It's about peace in the world. Exactly. I and love it. Example of that. It's an example of that. Totally. And you know, one of my favorite sayings is there's no growth in comfort zones. Oh, true. And so, do you believe that where there is pain, there is purpose? Yes. I think that I, I do believe that. I think that the things that pain us are an opportunity for us to be able to come on the other end of that pain and therefore inspire others mm. or give somebody else the tools that they can use for that same pain if they didn't know how to get through it. Again, like one of my pillars was I had faith because I'd seen other people overcome adversity. Yes. So, yes, where there is pain, there is purpose if we choose to go through the fire. Absolutely. And not just be a victim. And not just be a victim, yeah. And then with that, use that as a tool and share it. Share it to your community, share it to your family, share it to your neighbour. It's there for a reason. It becomes your gold. Absolutely. That's so true. And what about your philosophy that you live by? Blend yeah. of a balance. Tell us about that. I love that. Yeah, it's not. It's actually not a philosophy that I live by, but it's it's something that I heard that I found so interesting. Okay. And, and then going back, I only just heard it recently, and going back, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly it. Like, here we are reaching and striving for this perfection of having balance mm. like balance is something that we must achieve but I think our idea of balance is very different to what balance really is like balance has sometimes a bit of a a, a shift on this side where sometimes it's more work focused and some like as an example sometimes it's there's a season to really kind of jump in here and but then you feel like the, the pendulum shift and then, and then it's actually, no, this is a season now for, for nurturing the family. And, I, and, and if you're aware and if you're in tune and not striving, mm. again, like striving is a trigger for me. You yes. have a no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's because you did it for so long and, and it didn't serve you very well. <laughs> it didn't serve me well at all. No, not at all. So, um, so again, like getting into that and going, it's actually one of the, it's, a, it's an evolution. Yes. A bend is an evolution. It keeps going. It keeps going. And, and you've got all the things in there that you need because we do want to know how to balance workload, mother load, being a wife or having a relationship of some sort, having some quality time, getting in the garden, you know, achieving personal goals, all these things that we, we have in our life because we want them. They're a desire of our heart. Mm. But it just doesn't happen when we portion, like we, we go, we separate it. Boom. Not in my experience exactly. anyway. yeah. It's a moving, evolving balance. It's a blend. Totally. Yeah. I remember reading a quote a little while ago. It was along that line that it's it's not like work-life balance, it's a work-life blend. And this is the thing, and especially when you are freelance or you work for yourself, yes. that's what happens. It ends up being a blend. But um, I guess it's managing that as well. Yeah. It's, I think it's intuitive. Like I think the more we know us, the more, the more we know ourselves, the more we know, and we get it wrong sometimes, 100%. Yes. The more we know ourselves, the more we go, this isn't for me right now, and I'm okay to say no about yes. it. Yes, yes. I'm okay to, though it seems like it would be a career fail if I, if I didn't do this job, I actually know that my purpose right now is to make sure that this four-year-old knows who she is. Yes. And this nine-year-old knows who she is. So that's a priority, but it's not my main priority today. Yes. Like, 
that intuition to know when to swing. Yes. Like when, when are we going this way? When are we going that way? When it's a tug of war. My friend explained it to me once as a tug of war mm. you know, and having that tension in the middle and knowing when we're being pulled in one direction and being okay to surrender that. Yes. So did you find it hard to surrender and let go of the work that you were doing to just be? I, I found it hard to do that for 35 years. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then face plant makes you realise there is no other way. Yes. Like I, no I read it, I milked it, Vicky. I, <laughs> yeah. I did it to the very last point that I could possibly try and yes. do life in the wrong way for as long as I possibly could. Yes. And still I couldn't anymore. I really flogged a dead horse. And, wow. You know, but, you know, Look at you now. Well, it's a I feel like, and I love your podcast. I love it so much. And I know that you're teaching me how I'm going to be able to live to 120. <laughs> yes. And I need nice. that now, Vicky, because I've only just started living, babe. Okay, good. <laughs> well, you've got plenty of years ahead of you, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So tell us, on that note, what are your top three tips to living a longer, stronger, happier and healthier life? I wrote these down so that I could get them. So I'm going to bring them. I haven't got my glass, but I'm going to, I want to be intentional. Okay, go for it. You go for I it. I know you ask these questions at the end of every podcast. So yes. I really to be intentional about this. My number one would be before you try and conquer the world, try and conquer you. Mm. And when I say conquer, I mean love. Okay. It is very important. We can try and be the best mom. We can try and be the best professional. We can try and be the best on the block. Yes. But if you don't know who you are and if you don't love who you are, it just won't happen in the way that it could happen if you had a knowing of who you are and if you loved yourself, if you conquered you first. Yes. Like I was professional. It's not like you can't be professional and not know who you are, but it has a limit. Mm. And I reached that limit at 35, 34, 35 is what I reached it because I didn't have the emotional love in there. I didn't have anything else left in the tank and didn't know who I was. So mm. before you try and conquer the world, conquer you. Yes. My second most favourite point is don't be afraid to see the ugly sides of yourself mm. because you can't define what you can't defeat. Mm. You know, sometimes in a perfectionism world, a perfectionist world where everything just needs to seem, where social media, everything needs to seem, it actually doesn't. Yes. It is okay for you to not be 100% your best self all the time. Yes. It is okay for you to fall. It's okay to fail. Actually, failure makes success in the, in the you know, the yes. next just yeah. don't give up, you know. So actually being able to define the things that pain us, that block us, that chain us, all of those things, if we can define them, we can then move towards actually healing them mm. because we're not afraid of them. I was afraid to say I didn't love myself, you know. But then I also remember being a kid and people say, because I used to dance when I was young, oh, you love yourself. And I was like, no, I don't, no, I don't. Like I was insecure then. So, you know, you really want to be able to bring it to the surface and say, hey, I have a thing here. I have a roadblock here. I'm talking about it. I'm expressing it. And then I'm okay that it looks ugly for a yes, moment. Yes. I'm okay that I look vulnerable right now because it's going to help me to be able to not be vulnerable but to be very strong, really strong, like real, real yes. strong. Um, so, and there's a little quote attached to that. Have you ever heard that when you have an insecurity in something, it's actually just an opportunity for you to realize that you've got security in the wrong thing. Oh. So instead of being embarrassed by insecurity, actually going, oh, it's an opportunity for me to say, hey, I'm, what am I putting my security in here that's not right? 
Yes. I'm celebrating the fact that someone might like me or, you know, I look like this or whatever it is. And that's not right. Okay, let's change that. Yes. You know, being able to just change it, like yeah. work on it. It's normal, normalising personal growth. Exactly. And then the last one was basically just go easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. Go easy on yourself. Let yourself have time to heal. Be patient with yourself. Yes. And then that spills over and you end up being able to do that for others as well. Go easy on other people. Sometimes harder, sometimes harder to do, sometimes easier to do, but keeping that focus. So what do you feel about yourself today? Is it a healthy view that you've got about yourself today? What do you feel about other people today? Is it a healthy view? Love. Just bring it back to really making sure there's an unconditional love there. Mm, it's amazing. It's almost like the common theme here is about being really true to you, to who you are. But how can we do life any other way? And why do we yes. even do that where we have this life and then we just spend so many of those years being people-pleasing or doing this or hiding? Or We have a space. We have real estate right now. Exactly. We have real estate in this world. <laughs> <laughs> and you can either show up and claim that real estate of yours or you can be fearful to take a step. But I promise you that when you start to show up, I promise anyone that's listening out there today, when you start to honour who you are and start to show up and work on the things that don't serve you instead of hiding them and putting them under the carpet, Mm. things change. You strengthen. Mm. Everything changes around you as well. Like It is the best thing you'll ever do. It might seem scary, but it's so worth it. And I, I know I, I could talk, Vicky, but I just want to say this one last thing, if that's oh. okay. Um, before I went down this process, there was a part of me that was quite excited about being able to finally deep dive into my full potential and come out the other end, yes. like submerge myself in water, yes. come out the other end, refreshed, <laughs> and finally I am my true self. Yes. And that's kind of, even though I was petrified and didn't know, you know, I knew that it was going to be scary, I did have this, like, unrealistic expectation somewhere in me of what it was going to look like. Mm. I thought, and if you can picture it, and I use this analogy often, here you are on this beautiful beach and you've got the most amazing wetsuit on and you've got these Louboutin slippers on and you've got your sunglasses <laughs> and you look amazing and you take a picture for Instagram, cha-ching, yeah. and there you are ready to deep dive into your full potential. Well, the reality was completely different from that and you have to be aware. Like that wetsuit that you're wearing gives you a big wedgie. Yes. And the goggles that you've got on make you <laughs> feel like you've got, you know, suction marks on your face for a month. You've got snot out of your nose when you come out on, you know, come out of the water. You go face to face with a Bessie shark or, you know, a Vicky shark. Or it's terrifying. It's uncomfortable. It's shattering in some ways. It's it's not, it's Pretty. not this beautiful prettiness is it's there's an ugliness in it but it's still beautiful and it's still worth it Mm, amazing I have one last question actually yes the the loving you learning to love yourself process where do people start with that because a lot of people say I'm doing this I'm meditating I'm doing ice baths I'm doing this I'm going for runs I'm looking after myself I'm eating well I'm having the conversations but what else do I do to love myself yeah how Um, do you love yourself I think that if I was going to try and answer this, how do you love someone you haven't met? Mm. So, you know, and there are some people that do it, some cultures that do it, and I guess they use the whole tactic of unconditional love. Mm, yes. <laughs> but you have to meet yourself. You have to meet yourself where you are. Mm. So me meeting my 35-year-old self on the floor mm had to be able to say, hey, you're not okay. Yes. 
what you're feeling doesn't feel right because it's not right. Mm. The thoughts that you have about yourself and the things that you feel are out there about you, that that's a real feeling that you feel, but it's not the right feeling. Mm. So we need to actually meet who that person is. Yes. Um, again, as I said to you, it was a bit of a spiritual journey for me. So anchoring it to my faith mm. really actually helped me, Vicky. And I know that not everyone's going to do it that way. Mm. But early on in the process, Indy, my daughter, was on the, on the farm and she was doing some homeschooling. She ran in, like she just ran in the doors of the farm and she said, Mum, I was like, what? I just had this thought. Do you know that I'm an extension of God and he's an extension of me? Mm. And her saying that is something I clung on to mm. for a really long time and still cling, cling on to in this day if I think something bad about myself. I think, hang on, you know what? There's, there's God in me. There's God yes. in you. Yes. You know, there's, it's, it's a worldly thing to think that not being perfect or doing something wrong or whatever can take away from the being that actually is in this world. Yes. Do you know that your eyes are not replicated with any other person on this planet, Vicky? Like your yes. DNA, your design, it is intentional and it is one of a kind. Yes. If you had a one of a kind thing in your house, would you honour it? Yes, absolutely. Would you treasure it? Yeah. Would you love it? Yes. We have to do that to ourselves, whether we can or not. We have to find ways to put our headspace into that, totally. into that lane. Yes, I love that. You know? And again, where the mind goes, the man follows. You start to build that and you start to anchor it. You might get something that makes you feel completely insecure. Hang on, I'm not an insecure person. I'm just having an insecure thought that's linked to this, this and this. Yes. Let's get some perspective here. Yes. An insecurity about the, my ability to juggle, for example, mm. doesn't reflect me as a person. Exactly. You're amazing. And my last question is, where can people find you? I, currently, <laughs> 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 no, um, I'm on Instagram. So um, I am delving into a new project very soon, just a personal project and something that's you know, pretty similar to this. But otherwise, it's just Bessie K on Instagram, B-E-S-S-I-E-K-A-Y. Beautiful. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open and honest about your journey. We love you. You are absolutely a ray of sunshine. I love your Instagram. I love seeing you move and just, and I feel free just watching you move. I feel the freedom that you embody in your movement. It's I'm so, so glad. Are you going to dance with me, by the way? Yes, one day. Yes, absolutely. When you've got the time, I'm down for that. So absolutely. But you, you are absolutely an inspiration and I'm so happy for you. And uh, yeah, I just hope you continue on this beautiful journey and look to forward to catching up again soon. Oh, thank you so much, Rick. You're so beautiful. And I just I want to honour you for a second because I love what you do. I really do. It's hard to be consistent and you are such a busy woman. I know everything that you do with your business and, and being a mother as well and beautiful wife and you've just got so much going on, but you show up here. Yes. And little things like this that were my little bit of faith that I heard in a testimony, you know, I heard somewhere yes. that someone else could get over their their baggage or their pain. So the fact that you show up every week and do this and you're consistent with it, I honour you. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Right back at you, sister. Lots of love. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow me on our YouTube channel, One Body, One Life, to see more inspirational videos to help you reach optimal wellness and longevity. But until next time, don't forget, you've got to nourish to flourish.